The first step in getting closer to God is to realize that you need to or that you want to. And the second step in getting closer to God is to realize that it's possible. I want to encourage you to check out my book, Getting Closer to God, Anthologies from the Forefront Trilogy, Book 2. I think this will really be helpful to you in your pursuit of the Lord and help you understand what I learned over the first 30 plus years of my life as a believer, as a minister, and as a missionary in uh, a lot of the countries of the earth. Check it out. Anthologies from the Forefront, Book 2, Getting Closer to God. It's on Amazon. Welcome to Foundational Missions Leadership Moment. Join your host, Scott McClelland of FX Missions, as he deep dives into the lives of leaders to glean secrets that will propel today's leaders to new heights. Here's Scott. Who else do you have? Who comes to mind that that you want to, you know, share what is this next individual? contributed to your uh, leadership? Well, I when I started digging in, when I heard the invitation from the Lord to spend time at His feet, and this would be like Mary of Bethany, um, mm. in Scripture who sat at Jesus' feet, and Jesus turns to Martha and says, Martha, Martha, you know, you've been busy running around, but Mary here, she's been sitting at my feet. And that was another invitation that came about a year later. And a, a, setting aside extravagant time. So I get up ridiculously early because my kids are up usually around six or six thirty. So I have to get up significantly earlier than that in order yeah. to get in. So I started, I said, Lord, I, if you can wake me up, cause I don't want to set my alarm. My husband also has to get up early. I don't want to wake him up any earlier. And he did. He started waking me up really early. I started getting up And I started to have a longing. I had so much longing in me that I didn't know was there until I started to sit with Jesus. I I was intentional for me. I'm not saying this is everyone. For me, I was intentional to make sure there was no worship music on. Even though I, I do listen to worship music, I do that other parts of the day. I was longing to sit and just listen. I wanted to learn how to be silent. I wanted to understand silence. I wanted to understand solitude. I wanted to understand what it is to actually know his voice, to not have other voices speaking at me, singing at me. I wanted to hear his voice. And I knew I had to listen to do that. And I knew I had to learn how to listen. I didn't really know how to listen well. And, you know, I did something that for a long time I would have told you that I'm not sure that I was a Christian if I did this, which I'm very grieved <laughs> that I would have ever believed that. But part of that was probably just my upbringing. But I started to turn to the the forefathers of old, the those the desert fathers and those who sat with the Lord in the earliest centuries, whether it was in caves or... And those who like Brother Lawrence, you know, some of his writings. And and so I began to read what I think years ago I probably would have said, oh, I'm not sure I'm okay with that. And maybe others listening won't be, and that's okay. And I started to learn from, and though there were differences for sure with theology, I was okay to jump over those. What I learned from them was the beauty of 
of regular silence and solitude. And what became my two favorites in that period of sitting with them, one is, is Madame Guillon, who I love. I love her writings, but I'm actually going to talk about Julian of Norwich. Somebody gave me a book by her. I think it was actually Jeannie Hedrick who had passed it on to my in-laws who had passed it on to me. And it was a book about her. And then it was a devotional book written from some of her writings. She wrote Revelations of Divine Love. And she was the first, she was born in 1343 and died sometime after 1416. So she's long, long time ago. And she wrote the very first book written by a woman in English. And that was Revelations of Divine Love. And at the time, English was considered a very uneducated vernacular. It, it was not a language that was educated spoke. It certainly was not a language that anyone in the clergy would speak. Um, it just was considered too redneck probably. <laughs> that is hilarious. But yes, we are so exalted these days. That we've slid. Well, I say that with we've... all the love of my heart coming from the red state of Texas. I say that with great. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, and so, and she intentionally did that because she was one of the first who had the vision of putting the everyday gospel into the language of the everyday person at a time, as we know, when scripture was mostly in Latin or Greek or, you know, mm-hmm. most languages that most common people couldn't speak or read. And so the picture of her, though, that I love, not only are her writings extraordinary as she encountered God, but she was an anchoress. And in those days, an, an anchorite was someone who would commit their entire life would sell everything and would move in into one room that was attached to the church, the church in that local community. And Mm -hmm. in her thirties, she was sick on her deathbed and there's very little that's written about her, but there were some notes and she had this experience where she encountered Jesus Christ on her deathbed. And it was after that, when she woke up, the Lord was very clear in saying she won't be dying and she had these amazing revelations and encounters with him. And then she wrote the revelations of divine love. And they were of this encounter with the Lord on her deathbed. And it was after that she suffered great loss. Her children died. Her, her husband died. They all died with various plagues that had happened in her lifetime. That she sold everything as a widow, as a single woman. And she wanted to decided to move into the church, the, the church of Norwich. We don't know her last name, so that's why she's called Julian of Norwich. And Mm -hmm. as an anchoress or an anchorite, she lived completely in that room. She didn't leave that room. And she had a window that looked into the church for Mass so that she could sit on her side of the window and partake of Mass. And then she had another window that looked out to the world. And there was a, a thin veil that hung, a curtain that hung in between. So people couldn't see her and she couldn't see people. But they would come and there was there was a little chair that was put out that stayed all the time outside that window. And she was available to people 24-7. So at any time, the community knew that if they wanted prayer, if they just needed to if they wanted advice, if they wanted to just have somebody listen, they would go and they would sit in that chair and they couldn't see her, but she could hear them and they would talk and she would pray for them. She would offer 
wisdom. She would offer truth. And so as I read about, it was the first time I'd ever heard, I'm not super familiar with Catholic traditions. I don't have a Catholic background, but it was the first time I had heard of this idea of an anchorite. And the whole idea of an anchorite is that they give up their life to be fully available to the Lord 100% of the time. But they also stay 100% available to the world, to their community. And so the picture of her being in this little room, she didn't go anywhere. She had food and water brought to her through another little window. She had her little basin where she took care of her bathroom business and that got emptied as needed. But she didn't leave that room for the rest of her life. I'm not as sure exactly how many years, but it would have been probably 20, 30 some years that she lived in that room. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea of it, I loved that. That also began to shape my idea of leadership. I thought that makes sense to me. Having a life that is fully available, that is so radically shifted that I am always available to the Lord, that my heart and my schedule and my life is there all the time available to the Lord. And yet I'm fully engaged and available as needed to the community and to the world. And I began to ask the Lord the question, Lord, what do I need to change? I want my life to reflect that availability and that total total consecration that everything I have is yours. How can I do that? So little by little, I feel like I've been making some of those changes, but that picture of Julian of Norwich was really what inspired, I mean, some of her writings are beautiful. I would encourage those who would feel okay reading them to read them, but it was the picture of her in that room with just her and the Lord for the rest of her life and being available to the outside world 100% of the time, as much as she's available to Lord. I, I thought, I want, there's something here and what do I need to shift in my life, Lord, to make me more like that? I want to be available to you at that level, consecrated to you at that level, and also that available to the community. So that's why Julian of Norwich has had great impact in my life as well. It's interesting to me how this anchoress or anchorite thing you're talking about, they were onto something there in terms of availability because the, a lot of times— we think if we're, you know, fully consecrated to the Lord, that we're going to become unavailable right. to the community, you know, right. or we think that if we're fully available to the community, we're going to become unavailable to the Lord. This is cool. I mean, it's an interesting and I think superior approach to what comes naturally to us in our either or kind of mindset. Right. Um, Yep. Often we create such a division there. You can see it being a balance, but I think it's a balance that is super healthy and can be managed. And let me know how that turns out. So I I (laughs) uh, continue to remain informed and, and, you know, and grow in that capacity myself. I'm tracking with you on the Desert Fathers thing. And Mm. one of my favorite uh, figures from History of the kind is uh, Thomas Akempis. Yes. Yeah. Just uh, yeah. wow, that guy. Come on, talk to me. Isn't it great? Uh, 
Yeah. So, and I think I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, we, we get a sense that if we were raised in a certain tradition that we, you know, it's kind of anathema or somehow, you know, taboo to look into previous traditions or, you know, other things that came before us. And I think we lose, we can lose so much there because let's face it, folks, it was one tradition. (laughs) Yeah, You know, uh, it was one tradition prior to Martin Luther, you know, and even, I mean, I've been informed so well, you know, I think about Fenelon as an example. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Fenelon. I can't say the rest of his name. That's the easy way to say his yeah, name. I, I would not be able to pronounce it either. Yeah, <laughs> Fenelon. Okay, got it. Anyway, he he was he was a counter reformer sent by the Catholic Church, you know. And yeah. this brother knew Jesus. Okay, yeah. and you know that what I forget in the name of the book that I love by him. You know, it's like a, shine, a bright light or a shining light or something about light. I've only read some quotes. I've never actually read about him. I've only read quotes from him, but I should look into that. Um, There's a, yeah. I'll, I'll try to find that book by Fenelon that was so inspiring to me. You know, and, and keep in mind, he was a counter-reformer that was sent by the Catholic Church to stem the tide of, re- of Reformation in France. And well, you know, it ended up that the the people who sent him turned on him. <laughs> you know, yeah. oh, Don't you I, hate when that happens? But yeah. he, or you know, Jesus said, "Can you drink the cup that yeah. I drink? Can yeah. you be ba- baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with?" And of course, we say, "Sure, Lord, we can do that. That's been no problem. No problem." Uh, <laughs> Alas, he, he was. He drank the cup, and he was baptized with the baptism. Yeah. I think we all are going to share when we're we're following closely. Yes, how inspiring! I had heard of, of course, I've read a little stuff by Madame Guillon, uh, Julian of Norwich. I I know less about. So, can you mention again for us the name of the book, or maybe and or the devotional? What the source material that you would point people to relative to Julian? Yes. The book that she wrote, and it, there's different edits of it. There's there's a longer version. There's a shorter version. Is Revelations of Divine Love. I haven't actually read that one. I've read devotional a devotional book that was taken from that. The devotional okay. I read, just give me a minute here. to I Sure. I have it on loan to somebody, so I don't have it on me. Let me just look it up. While, while you're looking it up, I want to just add a toss something in here about the deathbed encounter that Julian of Norwich had with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I want to say, you know, a lot of times, you know, we think that those kind and quality, those, those elevated spiritual experiences were for another time. I just want to encourage us to rethink that, you know, you know, the Lord wants to come near to us and, You know, he said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. I mean, he wasn't just saying that for fun. (laughs) He he wasn't just saying that as anecdotal or like uh, whatever. Seriously, he meant it. Yes. Still does. It's good. Preach it. That's right. You know, I, again, I'm not sure this may not be received by all listeners. That's okay. But I've been praying lately that the Lord would give me more more encounters in the spiritual world 
in the spiritual realm with him. That I, I want to dream dreams. I want to have visions as he desires, as he allocates. Obviously, it's all at his discretion. I can't make this happen. But, yeah. but I continue to have this growing desire that I want more. I, I want more. I, I can't get close enough to him. It's like, I want as much as you're going to give me, Lord, as much as you'll give me, I want. So I've been praying that. So I would echo amen to that. Mm, thank you. So the, the book here is, it's called, I Promise You a Crown. And it's a 40 day journey in the company of Julian of Norwich. And David Hazard is the author who compiled and arranged her readings. So he took portions of her readings and writings and put them into a devotional format. Mm. Okay. Very, very good. I promise you a crown. We'll backlink to that. Okay. David Hazard, a devotional taken from the life and beauty, I would say, <laughs> of Julian of Norwich. Wow. Powerful. Well, you've sort of unrequested by me, you've hit right in the middle of my uh, sweet spot in terms of women and leadership. Clearly, I have a perspective of convenience. <laughs> I'm not a woman. But I think it's, you know, it, it's not about us trying to make, make each other of the other kind. You know what I mean? I, right. you, that you, said, you highlighted that earlier. And I think that's something we've got to understand. It's not about women becoming men, masculine or manly or men becoming feminine. Listen to me. <laughs> you know, I'm just don't don't start with me, okay? I'm I'm, uh, I'm behaving so far. Yeah, anyway, we need to become who we're called to be yeah. in its fullest expression. And you know, getting close to Jesus is not going to minimize you. No, it's not. It's not going to make you less than what you would otherwise be. No. It's going to make you everything that you could possibly be and of the kind that the Lord has in mind. And if he made you a woman, it's in that sense, you know, and if he made you a man, it's in that sense. So let's take courage to draw near as these people of history have done. And, you know, let's extract something of rare and incomparable beauty of the, of the Christ himself and let's distribute it to others so that they can know him in that same way. Your hunger, I got to say, is infectious, Lauren. Thank you for <laughs> sharing that with us. I really, really am thankful for that. I got to say, as we're concluding here, thank you much for your time. Um, you're so welcome. I, I appreciate you inviting me. I'm always happy to talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get you again on the other podcast where we'll talk all things adventive.ca. But, you know, before that, as we're concluding here, just want to say really appreciate it. And I want to finish off our podcast with a prayer. But I, I before we do that, Tell us if someone wanted to reach out to you with questions or, or more information needed or whatever, how would they reach you? Or maybe they can do that through the contact part of the website. How would we find you? I'm very old school, so I am not on social media. So really, the best way to contact me is, as my 13-year-old tells me, 
it's so old school that you still use email, but I do. <laughs> I like email. So probably email, which would be okay. Lauren at Adventive.ca. Okay. Okay. And it's L-A-U-R-E-N. Correct. If I'm right. Yeah. At Adventive, A-D-V-E-N-T-I-V-E dot C-A. Correct. In the days of spelling names in a variety of ways. We want to make sure we got that right. And if you don't mind, Lauren, I... I would like to pray for you and for those listening and for, you know, I'll throw myself in there as well. If that's all right. As we conclude. Absolutely. Yes. All are, right. are you, I don't know if this is normal. I would be happy to pray for you too afterwards. Is that okay? Totally. Okay. Yes, please. So I'll start. Lord, thank you so, so much for who you are and for the increasing amount of revelation of yourself you bring to us, no matter what we see, Lord, or what we encounter in life and all its fullness. We ask you for more of you and eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and a heart to obey you, Lord. Mm. Help give us courage. Give us courage to step forward and say, yes, Lord, more of you and Help us, Lord, to grow in our hunger and capacity, our hunger and our capacity to encounter you. Reveal yourself to us, Lord, in every sense of the word, from whispers of the still inner voice all the way out to face-to-face meetings with you. We're asking for that. Lord, help us to have dreams, visions, everything that the Bible contains that describes how people have encountered you, Lord, let us be those people. We're asking that you would have no holes barred. Just come at us, Lord, and help us to experience you fully and in an undiminished way. I ask that for myself. I ask it for Lauren, and I ask it for each person that's here listening. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for Scott. I thank you that he loves to inspire. I, I can hear that even in his emails and setting this up, I could hear that the undertones that he loves to inspire. He loves to cheer on. He loves to encourage his heart. I can just imagine swells with, with such joy at, at being on the sidelines of other leaders, of other believers and just saying, yes, don't stop. Keep running. You're running a good race. Keep going. I could just see that picture of you, Scott, as, as you're just no matter where you are in the crowd. You love to cheer others on. And I thank you that you've given him the gifting to do that. You've given him the the vision to carry out um, his ministry, this podcast. I thank you for those that listen, that hear him cheering and that hook up their running shoes and say, okay, I'll get back at it. You're right. You're right. With God by my side, I can do this. And Lord, I pray that whatever pieces are on his heart that he's holding before you, whatever places, whether it's personal or ministry or other areas, Lord, I ask, would you speak to him about some of those places that maybe he's holding out to you? Maybe he has questions about them or or he's just holding them up to you to remind you, Lord, I'm asking, I'm asking, would you meet those places, Lord? Would you be faithful to hold those for him, 
to steward them in this time, in this season for him and meet him in those very tender places, I pray. And I pray a blessing over Scott in the name of Jesus, that you would bless his spirit with more of you, that the prayer of Samuel is one of my favorite prayers. And I know that he prays this, yes, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. I know that's the cry of his heart. And I pray that over him, and I pray that over each of our listeners, that that would be what carries up before your throne. Yes, Lord, speak, your servant is listening that we would be ready to pick up our, gather up our clothes and our long flowing robes like they used to have and tuck it in. And Lord, at your, at your call, at your back, I'm ready to run. You just tell me where, you just tell me when I'm ready. Thank you for that, Father. We bless you. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you very, very much, Lauren, for that prayer. I receive it. And yes, Lord, I add my agreement. Wow. What a joy. What a joy to be with you. I'm thankful again for the time and I will ask for more <laughs> Come in the coming weeks. Perhaps we can double back sometime between now and the, the end of the year and get you on the uh, From the Forefront Missions podcast. Uh, also sure. Sounds great. Be happy yeah. Many blessings to you. Uh, if someone wants to reach you, we've got them. We're going to have to do it old school, people, as the 13-year-old would say, I think. Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, at Advantive, Advantive.ca. I'll backlink, so don't wreck your car trying to write that down. We're going to get that to you in the show notes. Lauren, thank you again. Many blessings to you. Thank you, Scott. Bless you, too. I am Scott McClelland, and this has been your FX Missions Leadership Moment. If you'd like to contact me or or us, I should say, please do so at fxmissions.com. Until next time, have a good one. Thank you for joining Scott with today's Leadership Moment. We hope you've apprehended an inspirational nugget or two that, when activated in your own life, will be imparted into those you lead. You may contact Scott at scott at fxmissions.com. Visit fxmissions.com to learn more about how you can grow your own leadership and engage in missions. Until next time, good day, everyone.